Hey, my name is Amber Welford and I am obsessed with all things habits and systems. I'm a mama, wife, and entrepreneur who knows the importance of the little things in life. Each episode, I'll share tips for creating habits, talk about real life behind the scenes of motherhood, marriage, and building a business, and encourage the heck out of you with some tough love, all while enjoying a cup of coffee. So go grab yours and listen up. This is the Live Fiercely Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Live Fiercely Podcast. I'm excited to have a couple gals on here today who are going to be brand new to you and they have so much wisdom to share. Serena and Tina are the mental health mamas and they have an awesome podcast called No Need to Explain. And they have kiddos, they'll tell their story here in a little bit, but I know a lot of my listeners are at a a place where uh, their kids aren't quite to like the teen years yet. And uh, the blessing of Serena and Tina is that they are walking, living examples that we can do it uh, as their kids are uh, in that stage and older. So I'm so excited to have them here today to share their wisdom with us. Serena and Tina, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. For sure. Would you share your story a little bit? Just do a little intro, uh, each of you of kind of who you are and uh, how you became the mental health mamas. Sure. So I'm Serena um, and I have three kids who are currently 20, 13 and seven. Um, Each of my kids struggles with their emotional health in um, a variety of different ways. And um, so I'll just, you know, quickly share that when my 13 year old was very young, um, she began exhibiting behaviors that made it next to impossible to be able to do things uh, that you would expect a young family to do. So in other words, you know, going to the playground, going to a restaurant, um, you know, just going to an event at school would often end in disaster. So I felt incredibly isolated. I literally felt like I was the only one who had a child um, who, you know, wasn't fitting neatly in a, in a box or, you know, didn't look like all the other perfect, happy families. Um, And years later, Um, I met Tina and I'm going to let her pick up here and tell a little bit of her story and then we'll cross over. (laughs) Right. So mine are older. Thank you for saying that you can do it because you can do it. It's, it's a lot. And uh, mine are 27 and 24. Um, I would say um, one of them struggled more significantly with mental health than the other. And as we normalize, we all have mental health and there certainly have been been up and downs in, in all of our lives, truly with mental health. And I will fast forward because our podcast often focuses on how we as parents survive all this, right. And take good care of ourselves. When I met Serena and literally we had lived in the same place forever. And I didn't know there were other moms out there who were struggling in the same ways that I was. So I don't know. I cried a lot. Um, She actually had an infant at the time, which is awesome. And so that took the edge off, but it was amazing to just know that somebody got me and literally there was no need to explain. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I really love about Instagram is like all of the moms who just put it out there, like just lay it out there the way it is. They don't sugarcoat it, that they're going through hard crap. Just the the stuff that with kids you have to deal with, like we all deal with it Mm -hmm. and to just put it out there, it makes you just feel less alone, you know? And I think as moms, 
we need that mm-hmm. almost actually my husband and I were having a conversation about this the other day about why there's so much support out there for moms. And we are just, we are so much more emotional typically than, than the dads. And so we connect more to the kids in that way. And we put so much more pressure on ourselves and we feel like we have to do everything perfectly. And so you had mentioned Tina talking about your podcast, no no need to explain. And on there, you talk about how, how we can take care of ourselves as moms. Can you talk more about that? Sure. So I'm going to back up just a second and say, um, I raised my kids before Instagram and Facebook and (laughs) all that. So there were fewer connection points, quite honestly. And in my world, um, I have always lived in academic communities and Serena currently still does, as do I. Um, There's a lot of pressure. um, And in some ways, with the littles, it there there are typical things that you can connect with moms about. When it comes to mental health, especially as they reach their, you know, tweens and teens, you don't want to tell people about what's going on in your house. It is hard to normalize that with people who don't understand. Um, as much as I love my family and they're hugely supportive. There were times when I wasn't sure they really understood what was going on. I mean, they loved my kids. They loved me, but it was this gap of understanding. So on our podcast, we, and we very consciously have focused on parents now for about 10 years because we feel like everybody wants to fix kids. Right. But we, if we can't, um, some people use the oxygen mask thing. I don't know that we're not crazy about that. We're, we're about filling our cups to overflowing so that make, you know, we make sure that we can, when your cup is overflowing, you have plenty for everybody else. So I would say we talk about, um, really filling your toolbox. That's an analogy we use, right? Serena, you want to pick it up there? Sure. Yeah. The idea that we don't always have the tools that we need, right. To support our kids and to support ourselves. Um, And also to say that, you know, the idea that when our kids struggle, we struggle and there's just, um, there's no other way to say it. Right. Um, and I think that that's a hard thing to acknowledge as a parent. You may feel like you've got all the parenting tools in your box. And, um, when your child is struggling with their mental health, um, you don't always have the right tools. Right. Um, so figuring out what's going to work for your family, finding your people, your champions, those people who are going to support, uh, not only your child, but you, I think that's something that Tina and I have focused on a lot in terms of, you know, talking to a parent who has a kid who's struggling, they can tell us the whole story about the kid. And then we say, but how are you? And usually that's when they cry, right? Like that's, what, you know, and, and I do too, right? Because you're like, oh, me, right. Um, so it really takes that, that focus, you know, um, for somebody to like point it out to you, for you to realize that, that um, yeah, I need to focus on me too. Yeah. So I will add, I, um, my daughter was enrolled in a, in a program at one point and there were, there was lots of support, which we needed at the time, including a support for me. And I remember the woman walking into my house and saying to me, what is it that you need? I'm here to support you. And I literally had no idea how to answer that question. I had zero thought about what I needed at that moment. We were in crisis. We did not think about what anyone needed, but that child who was struggling. So yeah, it's just a whole thing, right? 
It is. And you hit home super hard for me as I'm like, truly the, the day of this recording, like the last two weeks have just been a struggle with my now seven-year-old. She just turned seven this weekend, but she's always had a very strong personality. Like in general, she's the personality of our house. She's hilarious. She's just got this big personality. She has a huge heart. She's so funny. Uh, and in a snap of a fingers, you're like, where did you come from? Like, I love you, but my gosh, (laughs) Um, and she's just been dealing with some of her own anxieties lately and some sensory stuff. And I have just found myself crying. Like I have turned to the, the few people that I know that, uh, I can, that can be trusted. Like you said, that'll understand me, you know, like they understand, or at least can empathize with that. I've just been struggling so hard with her and I don't know how to help her. And, uh, what would you say to those who, to those moms who are listening that they deal with something with their kiddos? Like each of my kids has anxiety in some way, shape or form. My two oldest have been in therapy for a year now. And we thought that the seven-year-old was going to be able to escape that, but I don't think she's going to be able to escape that. Uh, but just to, like, like, like you said, coming back to my own sanity, I, I know for me, it's just been like finding my tribe, finding my people that I can cry to and bend to and ask them to pray for me and pray for her and just doing little self-care things, taking breaks. I don't know. Can you speak on that to somebody else out there who's dealing with a child who has mental illness? How do they help their child, but also help themselves? So I would say, first of all, I think there are more people out there right now who are struggling than ever before, right? So I'm going to say that first. And I think our goal, one of our goals um, as podcasts, as people is to normalize this conversation, right? So that you don't have to figure out who could I talk to that it would feel okay. Um, You know, I, I, I dream of a time, right? When we can talk to anybody, we can turn to our neighbor, we can turn to a teacher, um, anybody, and nobody's going to be, you know, responding with shock, right? Because we all have mental health, like Tina said before. Um, So, so the idea that, as you said, finding your tribe, finding the people that are going to support you um, and your child, right? I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you've done the the therapy thing and um, maybe some parents aren't there yet, right? Um, We always talk about starting with the pediatrician. That's like the first go-to. And right now in our country, um, there is a shortage of mental health providers. Um, It's a little scary out there. So what that means is if that isn't available, find something else, right? Find a way to support your child and to support yourself. So I would add this toolbox image, right? I use it a lot to think about our toolboxes and We talk about it in our family still. If you are a plumber, you are not, you do not have the same tools as an electrician, because if you did, a plunger isn't going to get you very far, right? I mean, seriously, does not light up anything. Maybe the opposite. I don't know. Um, But I think part of what I want to emphasize is that you are a role model for your children. And so if we are putting tools in our box that we know, and even using that language, like, you know, I need to take a minute and I need to take five breaths and that's one of my tools and I need to do it right now. Okay. That's one of the things. Now, if that doesn't work for your child, they're still hearing you say, Hmm, 
I need a minute. I need to take care of myself. And that's the one tool I'm going to take out of my box. Um, I literally even use this analogy. I spoke to some college students, uh, college student parents uh, the other night. And, you know, I think it's the toolbox is something we carry with us. And as parents, we help them carry it. We help them put tools in. But when they get older, they're now carrying their toolbox. We can still help them put a few, t- at, well, as we know, they're going to put their own tools in their box, <laughs> regardless of you, what you suggest. Um, and, you know, I think it's the same thing. I didn't have a toolbox when I was a, a young parent. I didn't. I didn't even know that language. I didn't know that I could take care of myself. And, yeah, it's really important to do that. And, and we just we use it over probably at nauseum. We use the toolbox analogy. <laughs> I think it's great. And I think like what you've said, verbalizing that to our kids, I think it's so good for them to see that mommy needs a break. No, no matter what age, like I remember back when we did timeouts with our kids, like I would t- give myself timeouts, you know, whatever your thought is on timeouts, doesn't matter. Just giving them those tools, whatever works for you and your family, sharing that mommy has tools too, and not just using them, but showing them, sharing that with them, just having that open conversation with them about that, I think is, it's extremely important too. Yeah. I love that. So personally, what are some things that fill up your cups? So for me, uh, anytime I can be outside is, um, you know, it makes me feel grounded. It makes me just feel better. Um, walking while I'm outside is, is extra good, you know, in my being in my garden, um, and living in a place where it's cold for a lot of the year, like really taking advantage of those days when the sun is out and, um, making sure I get outside. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say sleep is my tool, (laughs) my most powerful tool in my box. Um, and I, I do a lot of knitting, honestly, that is a thing that just is very rhythmic and relaxes me. I was just doing it last night. And, uh, in fact, I have a lot of stress right now and I finished a project and uh, my husband texted it to someone and she said, how on earth did she have time to do that when things are so busy? And I'm like, no, no, this is the thing, right? Like I am just going to keep knitting, 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 like swimming, swimming, swimming. I'm going to gonna do it. Yeah. yeah. So it's good. And taking a walk and, you know, being physically active just really helps me too. Yeah. Yeah. And coming back to, you know, you, you talking about verbalizing the tools you have in your toolbox, but like showing your kids how to take care of themselves in that way is so important too, because they are going to go off to college and become adults and they need to learn those, those things as well, that it is important to even among the stressful times when they feel like they have no time for any sort of self-care. There is time. You have to make time. You have to have those tools in your toolbox in order to take care of your mental health. Yeah. Yeah, And I would even say you have to exercise them regularly. So I heard someone say on a different podcast the other day, if you're out of the habit of using your tools, you will not use them when you're super stressed. And I know this is true from my own kids, right? They know what to do. They have toolboxes that are full. And when it's at a very elevated level, it's difficult to access those unless you're making a habit of doing those things. So. Absolutely. So I know I, I already, we already talked a little bit about some of the hard things that you've dealt with as a parent but being that 
you know, you've got kids who are in their twenties and teens. What are some of the hardest things that you have dealt with as a parent and how have you dealt with those things? I know as a mom of kids who are like right on that verge and like my oldest is going to middle school in the fall. Like I keep picturing in my head what it could be like, and I'm scared out of my mind. (laughs) Um, but also I have no idea what I'm in for, you know, and just to hear recently, I've started following some certain people on on Instagram who are like moms of teens and man, it's just been encouraging to know that like you can do it. You know, like we talked about at the beginning, Tina, like you can do it and them sharing just what it's like to be in the trenches of raising teens, but, uh, but you can do it by, you know, X, by doing X, Y, and Z or finding your tribe or whatever it is. So if you could share some of those experiences, that would be awesome. Yeah. So, um, I, I guess when I, when I think about that question, I think about transition points being really tough and I'm going to take it all actually all the way back to when my oldest started preschool and, before she started preschool, she'd been at home with me all the time. Right. I knew what she did every day, all day long. And then when I took her to preschool, I thought, oh, I'm not going to know. I'm not going to know what she did this morning. I'm not going to know if she slept well at nap time. I mean, and that's not to say that the, the preschool didn't communicate with us, but they did, but it's not the same as like having that child, you know, in your house at all times. Um, so, so I remember being really nervous about that as a, you know, new parent. Um, and then it, I think it just happens again and again, um, as they get older. So that transition to middle school where now they have more than one teacher, right? Who do you call when they're, when they're struggling? Um, you know, who's the person it's no longer the classroom teacher and we know less and less as they get older, because now they have friends that they're hanging out with and you're not there. Right. So it's that letting go. It's that trusting that you've instilled things in your child that, um, are going to keep, you know, all those tools, right. That they're going to, they're going to use them. Um, and they're going to make mistakes too. Like, it's just, just a fact. Um, and so then, you know, my oldest now is, is in college. So that was another really big transition to know that I wasn't going to be there to help her get out of bed in the morning. Right. That I had to trust that she was going to be able to figure that out on her own. Um, and she didn't always, <laughs> so yeah, getting to that, that point. And, and now she's about to, uh, graduate from college and go on to, um, you know, I, I don't want to say a real job because she's worked jobs before, but um, a, a full-time position, right? Um, and that's a whole new piece. So that for me, for me personally, as a parent have been, the, those have been the hardest points. Yeah. So I'd agree that the letting go is hard. Um, I, I always talk about the shifting of parenting, right? The, you shift from really kind of making decisions, sticking to decisions, being consistent, trying to model good, you know, behavior um, to this, you're adulting adults and adults have to make hard decisions and it's hard. Um, And it is a shift and it is a lot of letting go, a lot of letting go of, of what you think should happen to what they choose to do. And being okay with, you know, some of the consequences. And I have to admit some of those consequences are, um, I mean, some of them can be really, really dangerous if, if you're, we're not careful. I hate to talk about that with a person with little people, but it's true, right? I mean, yeah. So I will shift to something a little more positive and say most of our difficult experiences happened in school. And 
I can't say enough about family school partnership. Serena and I have really focused most of our work on that. Um, you know, we focus on parents and we focus on family school partnership because we know how important it is when you, when the school, when you make the a conscious effort to make that school your ally rather than, you know, people mistake us for advocates. And that word for us is really just hard because there's no adversarial thing in what we do, right? We want to find what we know to be true is parents want their kids to be successful. School wants their kids to be successful. That's where we start, right? That's where we start. And so finding those champions, finding those people in your world who um, can really support your kids um, and support you. I mean, like Serena said, it's hard to not know what happens during the day, but if you have your people, you do know what happens in the day when you need to, right? Yeah. That's a really great piece of advice. It's something that I feel like I already, I already have like great relationships with like teachers and stuff because I've put myself there, you know, I've gotten myself involved, but I think that's just a really good piece of advice to continue that. Because like you said, in middle school, they have multiple teachers and it's a whole new principal and admin, you know, set of admins and stuff. And so uh, I think that's just a very wise piece of advice. And I want to acknowledge that it isn't easy for some people. So there are many people, parents we've supported who live in the same communities that they grew up in and did not have good school experiences, or they were looked at as the kid of the third generation person who wasn't successful. So it takes work and um, it, sometimes it's not easy, but it's, it really reaps rewards in the end if, if you work at it. So. That's great. I love that piece of advice. Is there any last uh, kind of words of advice you want to share with my listeners? Just going to say that um, anybody out there, any parents who are listening, um, who have kids are struggling, that are struggling, you're not alone, right? And I, that's what we really want to emphasize that um, find your people, um, you can find our podcast and um, listen to that. Um, yeah, it's just important to, to not feel alone. I think that's yeah. one thing when I was, when we first connected was, uh, and I was listening to your podcast was like, they're my people, you know, that's exactly what I want for moms too, is just to know that they are not alone in this journey and that we're all going through really hard things with our kids, whether it's sleep training or it's the teen years, you know, like there are hard, hard pieces about every part of parenting and, it just makes it feel a little bit more doable when we don't feel alone. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just end with a quick story. I literally about two or three years before we started the podcast, went to see a friend I had lived in Illinois and she is just one of those people for me. She is my person who gets me, you know, heart and soul. And I left her just and wrote this piece about, there, when I'm with this person, there's zero need to explain. She gets me every part of me. And um, yeah, so, so that is how it happened. And please listen to our podcast. We want more people to feel other than normalizing mental health. We want people to feel connected because connection is, I think, vital to, to my well-being. So absolutely. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you? Your podcast is called No Need to Explain. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the full title is no need to explain with the mental health mamas and you'll find us at mentalhealthmamas.com. Um, we are also on Instagram at no need to explain podcast. We're on Twitter at MH mamas and Facebook. You can just search for no need to explain podcast. And I'll link all that in the show notes. Awesome. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. Thank Thanks you Amber. Take good care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Live Fiercely podcast. If you love anything you heard today, then go share the love with your family and friends. Take a screenshot of the episode, share it to your social media, and don't forget to tag me. Girl, I appreciate you so much for being here, for walking through this life with me. Now go out there, grab a cup of coffee, and live fiercely.